Hello, my name's Tom Langston, and welcome to episode two of the Telltales podcast. In this episode, I went out to speak to Gavin Knight and Emma Coppins. Gavin is a pharmacy and biomedical sciences lecturer who is very keen to enhance his teaching and the students' assessment using technology. Emma Coppins is a senior online course developer for the science faculty, and she's helped Gavin realise his vision and produced a creative form of assessment for the students. I started by asking Gavin for a little bit of the history of the project and an overview of the assessment that he was trying to redesign. Please be aware for this piece there's also some background noise, as we recorded it in Gavin's office. His office is located near the science labs. Basically, the labs give off a really annoying beep. So uh, I work a lot with collaborative learning, so I'm trying to get students to work together um, in small groups of effective teams and find ways of assessing that. Um, and this project really involved looking at final year students studying biomedical science and in particular a unit called Pathological Sciences 3 which is the final um, unit in a trilogy of units which look at the different pathological disciplines and one of the ideal ways of assessing students doing that is to um, use a case study based approach where students will have a clinical case study and over the course of you know three or four hours they need to try to pick, pick it apart and then put it back together and make some diagnostic sense of it. And um, in the past, what I've done is I've, I've got a series of these case studies and they're all uh, paper-based and they're in these false cap files. And students would be given this pack, they select it randomly, and then they have to work through that pack and come up with a diagnosis um, and a, a therapeutic intervention. And that worked really well, the students really enjoyed it, but from a clinical perspective, the students could just shuffle up all the paperwork as they wanted to, they could split the workbooks, which was the assessment component, and and complete it individually and then put it all back together at the end. And so it didn't really emulate what would happen in clinical practice, where things are often are trickle-fed over the course of a few hours or days. And so I wanted to use technology to try to find a way of trickle-feeding that information to the students. And that's where uh, Emma came in and saved the day. So when Gavin explained his problem, the main point to focus on was what was most important to him um, in terms of using the technology. What was it that he wanted the technology to do that the paper-based version couldn't do? And that was obviously the trickle-feeding of the information. So it was then about finding the right system that we could use to allow the students to be presented with a piece of information and then answer the questions and then move on and not actually be able to go back and change their answers because again thinking about a real world environment you can't change your mind once obviously in that situation potentially can't change your mind once you've made your decision you have to go with what you've decided and follow it through so looking at all the different options available it was about coming up and using the best tool that would allow us to do that. That's a really good point you've raised actually it's something I should have mentioned that with the paper-based version students will work through come up with a diagnosis first and then complete the workbook based upon having that diagnosis in mind and having this trickle-fed approach would mean they couldn't do that and they had to look at each discrete element of the case in sequence and therefore comment and analyse that step by step. So it was a very guided approach that I wanted. And, and again, that's the solution that Emma came up with. I asked Emma about the platform that she'd used and how she facilitated the trickle feed information that Gavin required. We used a Moodle quiz uh, and in a Moodle quiz you can actually set it. So 
um, the questions are in a sequential order. So you put the questions in a quiz in an order and then the student answers the question and moves on to the next page of questions and they're not actually allowed to go back again. And so um, it's not been used a lot in the Faculty of Science. It's actually been used in pharmacy and biomedical science twice now, once for this and once for another uh, case-based um, online test. Um, and it actually works really, really well. So you present the students with the information you want them to have. Um, you ask them the questions you want them to answer based on that presentation of information. They submit their answers and then they can't go back and change them. They can't go back and review them, which is one of the things we did talk about them being able to do. But actually I think the way that it's worked for the last couple of years has been quite a positive thing. Yeah absolutely. Uh, the other nice thing about it as well is although they can't go back and edit their answers or look at their answers again, um, what they what they can do is archive the, the materials that are given to them. So as they progress through the, the quiz um, and they click on next to move to the next page, they still have access to the downloaded documents that they've received as part of those individual pages. And that means that by the very end, not only have they worked through the whole case, they also have all of the materials available to them to consult with when they're making that final diagnostic decision. As this assessment does not follow a traditional format of written exam, I asked about the students' ability to use the internet and any reference books that are not provided as part of the assessment. It's completely open book in that sense, so they can bring along their, their own tech, they can bring along textbooks, and we've seen students in the past hauling masses of books uh, along uh, to, to help them out, and sometimes it helps and sometimes it doesn't. And um, it, it's, it's a really interesting kind of research experience as well, I think, seeing how students behave in these sorts of environments. They're working in groups of four or five, isn't it, really? And that's about optimum. And I think one of the key things that you need to have is the students randomised within their groups as well. And again, that's from trial and error that we've kind of identified that that's a need. And when you put all of those things together, it actually provides a really kind of fruitful experience for the students. And you know, I think there are significant learning gains made through going through that process. I wanted to know how much trial and error Gavin and Emma had to go through taking it from the original paper-based collaboration for the students to one that now used Chromebooks in the Moodle quiz. I asked if they felt lucky to be using a known system like Moodle. I think we were quite lucky in terms of the technology side of things. We already knew Moodle quizzes could do what we wanted them to do. So there wasn't a huge amount of trial and error in that sense. There were a few questions in the paper-based version that required students to um, assemble a genome? Oh, yeah, yes. Oh yeah, crops. <laughs> now that's going back a bit. Yeah, that's right. So um, when, when we had the, 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 the paper-based approach, uh, students needed to, um, they were given individual painted chromosomes and they had to assemble their own carriogram, so a series of chromosomes within the human body and, and uh, try to identify if there are any chromosomal abnormalities there, which have been hallmark then for a particular kind of cancer. And yeah, trying to figure out how to do that, because we talked about drag and drop yeah. and all sorts of things, didn't we? And in the end, we settled for having a template yeah. and then a, it was a picture of uh, the patient's ones, wasn't yes. it? And they compare the two yeah. side by side. Yeah, and then commented on And then comment on them. So it kind of removed that experience of having to shuffle the chromosomes and try to look at size and, uh, and structure of them. Um, but I think what it gave them the opportunity to do was focus more on the important detail. So it worked well, I yes. think. Yeah, and that was the only one where we went through quite a lot of trial and error. And actually, 
because the thing that was the most important was the trickle feeding actually not being able to do that element meant that the more important thing could take over um, and be able to be used so the rest of it was pretty straightforward which was good <laughs> um, and we did it the first year with the students mm. um, and it worked it's relatively been, well yeah. oh, oh, the, the paper-based one I ran for about I think it's four four or five years and then consulted with you just before a, a summer yes break wasn't it and then you had it was about eight months wasn't it I guess to, to put them together and there yeah. were what about eight of them as well to do yes, weren't yeah. there and uh, yeah the, the the outcome was was great um there was a lot of behind the scenes work that I I didn't ever see I think a lot of effort went in on your part I think to get it done and get it right um but the the students they actually dread going in they don't look forward to it at all it's one of the final things that they do for this unit and because it's alien to them they've never done anything like this before they get really nervous before they go in and I probably add to the drama a little bit as well by getting to to name someone who's going to be their chair and that person has to go into the room and then select a random chromebook and that chromebook has got their case on it so they're completely blind when they go in um and so they, they're a bit nervous beforehand, but actually when they walk out, they've really enjoyed the experience. And I think from a, a collaborative stance, what's really nice is hearing the conversations that you have within, within the room when they're actually talking about you know, what the case means, what the parameters mean, or what the pathology is all about. Um, because it shows that it kind of unpicks their understanding, but it shows me that they have got that kind of working knowledge they know where to look for information if they don't know what the answer is. They know how to work together. They know what sort of questions to ask. And you know that's kind of what you expect of a final year undergraduate student, and, and they're able to do that, and that's really comforting to see. Um, and because they're all looking at the same page at the same time, or the same screen at the same time, um, you know they're all talking about the same thing. They're not breaking out and looking at different aspects of a disease. They're all working together on one particular problem. And that's, you know, it's part of this sequential format. And the collaborative element, again, was another important part of it. So it was about how can we get four or five students to look at the same questions at the same time and be able to answer as a group. And we took a bit of inspiration from the Teal-based classrooms. We did, from yeah. The American universities, but also from our own business mm. faculty. That's right. Yeah. And uh, the idea is, is that you would have a group of people working together around a centralised um, screen, either a computer screen or a TV screen, um, and they all have access to uh, their own devices. Um, they can all kind of share information, put information up on the screen. So we kind of scaled it back a little bit, and we used our faculty Chromebooks. Did we start before the Chromebooks? We did, didn't we? Um, and they had to, they logged in on their own device for the first year. Is that possibly right? yes? Maybe the first year they did. They bought it in their own devices. And one then of we them had logged the DC, in. Yeah. Then we had the DCQE Chromebooks, didn't we? And we yes. used one per group then. Yes, we did. And then, then you bought your TV screens, yeah. so now each group could have a Chromebook plugged into a TV screen so everyone could see a nice big picture of what was going on. They could do all their discussion, they could do mm. all their collaboration. One person would then type up the answer, but they could all see the answer on a lovely big screen being mm. typed up and then they can all discuss actually what is it that they're writing and how they're writing it and any changes that needed to be made. And 
being able to take them away from a very small laptop being shared amongst four or five people to actually up on a big screen that they can all kind of sit and view but turn away and look on their own devices and look in their textbooks and stuff was uh, quite positive thing that we were able to do it was yeah and i think one of the other things with with these cases and particularly the type of pathology they're looking at um, they have to be able to look at and interpret pictures of of blood cells from a blood sample or from a bone marrow and trying to do that on a small screen was was actually really difficult for them you kind of get you know people all clustered in together you know around this tiny screen and one of the you know elements of feedback came back from the students was that was a little bit awkward and so that's again then when we got the larger screen televisions pharmacy bought two i think um, then biomedical science bought an additional one so we had three and we could have three groups running simultaneously um, and this year we've actually got another three televisions so we now can run six cases um, which actually saves a lot of time um, yeah, because they last sort of three, the, four, they're four five. hour, they're four hour stints, and so you know we're you know, tied away for for twelve hours doing these things, and that's too much time to really spend on on this particular activity. So now there are going to be two rather than three cycles of it, which makes life a little bit easier, I think. Um, so that's that's worked very well. From the way Gavin and Emma are talking about this project, it's obvious that it's interesting for the students and engages them as individuals and also helps them work well and collaboratively as a group. But I wondered what differences they might have experienced having run it on paper and they're now using these digital devices like a Chromebook. What I found with the paper-based one is that the students had probably a 30-page workbook they needed to complete. And essentially when you then created the electronic version, you took apart that paper-based one and made the questions electronic, didn't you? And and put that kind of structure in, in place and then tweaked it as appropriate. Um, they would break apart this workbook, they would allocate different parts of the workbook to different people so everyone would have a different task. That's not what they were instructed to do, but that's how they managed it. And so I guess what you found with the paper-based one was you could see that different people had authored different parts of the book and then it would be brought back together and you'd have you know, different colour pens and different types of handwriting. Some of it you could read, some of it you couldn't. Some people could spell, some people couldn't. You know, And it was kind of this you know, really um, diverse jigsaw document. Um, now that we've moved on to the electronic version, you can't really see who's written. But having facilitated all of the sessions, I know that everyone has engaged in the process. So although there's often one or two scribes, people that type, um, and they will rotate as they get wrist ache, um, you you don't necessarily get that variation across the, the booklet. So we see fewer people actively writing but a better quality answer as a consequence I think. With this being group work I asked Gavin how he felt the individual personalities came into play throughout the assessment. And so in in terms of the personalities now this is an interesting one I think anyway and where students previously could pick their groups students like to pick their groups when working groups it's not good academic practice it's really not but they like to pick their own groups so it started off letting them pick their own groups so what I found one particular year is I had this group of really well performing students they're really you know high high level academic students and the other groups were tended to be quite a mix of you know friends but not necessarily all academically the same 
And what I found was those students that were very academic, they didn't do very well. And the reason was they could not agree. They were so headstrong. They were so confident in their own knowledge that they couldn't negotiate with one another. Each and every one of them was right. And so trying to get actually some decent answer down on screen, it, it didn't really happen. I mean, to be fair, they got a, a mark you know, of 66. You know, it's a good mark, but they had the capacity to be able to get much more than that. Where we had uh, very mixed groups that were more randomly allocated, um, you know, getting marks of you know the high seventies as a top end. You know, uh, very few students fail this. You know, purely because of you know they're all learning as part of this kind of assessment approach. With the Moodle quiz traditionally giving a singular right or wrong answer, Emma discussed the fact that the student thought process was just as important as the final answer they would enter into Moodle. One of the interesting things about this, as well as the marking element of it, because the students could potentially come up with an incorrect answer but one of the instructions that Gavin gives at the beginning is show mm. all of your thought processes and the explanations of how you got to your answer it's a bit like when you were at school and you were told to do a maths problem show your workings because your workings might be logical but your answer might not be quite right mm. and so I think that's an interesting part of it as well yeah absolutely I mean there's always a risk that you give students a, a box to fill in and you ask them an open question but could be perceived maybe as not being as open as you'd like it to be and you'll get you know three or four words as an answer and that's it and okay it's, it's easy for marking but in reality it doesn't really assess what they understand of the subject and so I wanted to make it very clear that the, the logic underpinning their answer was going to be assessed and that way you know pathology is a really difficult thing and even at the end of three years of study without having proper clinical experience it can be difficult for people to make a formal diagnosis and so I didn't really want all the students to have all their eggs in one basket have to get the absolute right answer and and that be the end of the story I wanted to be able to understand how they got to that point and I think because of that well two things have probably happened um, students have become much more verbose they, they, they write a lot more um, to the point that sometimes they run out of time. They don't manage their time particularly well sometimes. Um, but also, it's really quite easy to see where that logic has come from. So I can really pick up misunderstandings. And the good thing about using the Moodle quiz for that is that you don't have to tell Moodle what the marking scheme is. We use essay-based questions, mm. so they're fully open to Gavin to mark um, however he needs to mark. Um, it's not kind of tied to a, a marking system that we've already inputted into Moodle and it wouldn't work that way, I don't think, anyway. Mm. Um, so it allows much more flexible marking as well for, for the staff who are marking it. When starting a new project or taking an existing exercise and recreating it into a brand new environment, it is hard to know how much time this will take. And with limited time to create brand new assessments, it can be a very daunting task to even start it off. I asked Gavin how he found working on the paper-based version compared to that of the new digital incarnation of the assessment and if he found he'd saved any time along the way. Um, so to begin with, when I had the paper-based versions, I had the individual chromosomes and everything else, I, I didn't enjoy setting up the sessions at all. Reason being that I had to go through 
each and every folder, each, each folder you know, had probably, I don't know, 40 or 50 pages in it in total. Um, and I'd have to go through and make sure that um, everything was where it should be, that there were no chromosomes missing from my envelope full of free chromosomes, that um, students from previous years hadn't scribbled or scrawled on it or written the diagnosis on there or something else, which, you know, wouldn't have been you know vandalism but it would have just been you know them writing down their thought processes you know and that would ruin the experience for the current cohort so there was a lot of preparation that had to go into it to, to, to make sure that you know none of that had happened now that's all gone and I think you just release it don't you and and, yes. and that's that's it you yes. know it's we're, we're, we're there so in the first instance when Gavin gave it to us there was obviously a lot of time that we spent going through all of the different options so mm. we'd considered a lesson in Moodle I think we looked at doing sort of a questionnaire based one again to kind of go around the marking scheme and things like that so there was a lot of time and thought that was put into what do we use once we decided that the Moodle quiz um, would work for us we then built one version of it gave it to Gavin so Gavin could test it and make sure it was presented how we wanted made sure that the images were of a good enough um, quality so that the students could analyze what they needed to analyze and then building them obviously took a fair amount of time to begin with there was eight of them and each one has like Gavin said sort of 30 pages worth of information that we had to put in in the correct way set the quiz up in the correct way making sure that the students could open the documents but keep them open if they wanted to and if they closed them being able to access them again on a later page um, but having used it from one year to the next there's very little work involved we um, basically just duplicate what's been used previously um, so we always have like a master version that's blank that the students don't use we duplicate the one that the students do use and then we can just duplicate from the master again and then it's just a case of on the day saying to Gavin which three would you like to use today making sure those are the three that are available to the students the students then come in and sit the quiz um, and then that just gets archived and then the following year we do the same um, and again like Gavin was saying it's not a case of having to go through each page individually making sure students haven't scribbled on it or put things in the wrong order Gavin knows that everything's always going to be in the same order he can do a quick run through at the beginning of the academic year make sure all the questions are still as they should be make any kind of little tweaks to any questions take a question out add a new question in if needs be um, and so it's although it was a lot of work at the beginning actually the time benefits that we've we've not had to use as much time now setting it up mm. each year I mean, that that investment in time was very much up front um, I think you know there were there were two pinch points one originally creating the paper-based versions and trying to you know, get a hold of all the the clinical information that I needed to be able to tell a story um, and some of that was quite difficult to come by I had to pull in a lot of favors from a lot of you know, um, colleagues in order to be able to get that information um, and so putting together the paper-based one was, was a, a, a real push. And fortunately, I was an early academic at that point, and so you know my responsibilities were a bit different there. Um, and then the second push then was really for, for Emma to, to sort it out and, and, and actually get it right and you know to, to use her uh, technical expertise to make sure that it was fit for purpose. Um, so I mean, what I'd say is that if an academic member of staff wanted to develop something like this but said I don't have time if you've got the paper-based version talk to the online developers you know I, I, I say all the time you know I'm 
the biggest advocate there could be because you know ultimately you know, I don't have time and uh, to be fair I have the creativity but I don't have the knowledge of the te- technology to be able to do this sort of thing and so knowing that I've got you know uh, someone who is approachable and, and who knows what they're doing and can do it in I don't know, a fraction of the time it would take me to do it is absolutely fantastic and so really I think academics need to engage more with technology enhanced learning with the online developers to, to, to make sure they can evolve their practice and you know, meet student needs. The other thing that was really helpful was that obviously it had been running for a few years before we turned it into a, a technology based uh, assessment. Gavin knew exactly what it was that he wanted the outcome to be, we knew exactly what it was that the students would need to do, we knew how it worked already on paper and it was, um, it was very easy to actually then, once we'd found the right tool, create that online because we knew that the students would need to go from A to B to C and at the end of it you would have all of their answers in a system that you could then mark Um, and having, whilst it was paper based there were also electronic versions of the documents as well so that was really helpful as well to just be able to then take the electronic, uh, the word based documents and put them into Moodle, it was a lot quicker than having to sit and retype things out. but yeah, there were a few few challenges, but mm. we overcame them. And yeah, absolutely. And I think you know that the the challenges that then followed weren't the the technical challenges; they were the logistical challenges. Yeah. So you know, making sure that for timetabling, that the sessions are scheduled in the right size room, and in the right building, we don't be really lugging technology halfway across the university in order no. to run these sorts don't of things. Don't want to be rolling TVs to different No, ab- absolutely. So you know, th- then then the limitation becomes, you know, what sort of you know uh, environment and infrastructure do we have here in order to support these sorts of activities? Now that we've got more televisions as well, and we can run six groups simultaneously, um, you know, that's going to be thirty students all at once. It's, it's going to make make life a lot easier. From a paper-based assessment that would need checking each year before being rolled out to the next cohort of students, Emma has helped Gavin create a digital version that is now easy to roll out at any time it is needed. I just wanted to find out if there's anything left to add to this project. I think this particular project is is where I want it to be at the moment. Um, there may be some more cases that will be developed over time. Most of these are, are very much based upon blood disorders and, and cancers of the blood um, with little bits of pathology like biochemistry and microbiology associated with them as well and it might be quite nice to have some other cases that emphasize different pathologies outside those cancers um, but I think the the lessons that we've learned now from this kind of collaborative project um, have been used in a first year unit called case discussions in biomedical science which is all based around a student-centred learning approach. And again, you know, Emma's been instrumental in you know, setting that up and making sure that, um, again, it's fit for purpose. And that very much is a research project, that unit. And we've been through well, two complete years of case discussions now, yeah. haven't we? Um, but the very f- and, and a number of iterations within that as, as we've learned as we go. Um, but one of the, the key things that I think I learned from this was where you've got a group of final year students working on one Chromebook as and one student is a scribe there and other people are talking and collaborating and getting that person to write what you want that doesn't work for first year students 
that works for students that are more confident they've got a good background knowledge and they have skills which are approaching graduate skills um, first year students can't cope with working in that way and the experience that we had was where students had prepared some work come in they were working in small groups with one Chromebook and what they were actually doing when they found out what they had to do they were writing out their answers by hand first of all and then each taking a turn to sit at the computer and type their answer into the computer which was a horrible waste of time um, and you know they ran out of time as a consequence so now we've evolved that further haven't we yeah. now rather than using Moodle for the work the collaborative work we use um, Google, Google Docs. Docs don't we and the computers are all linked into a particular document so they can co-author and co-create simul well, simultaneously and that that has got over that problem and that works very well yes and that had a very different end goal to what the problem-based learning yeah absolutely um, one did the first year students don't need that trickle feeding of information it's more about the collaboration and being able to work on a document together and being able to look at what the other people in the group are doing so again the focus on that one was finding the right tools and that's where we went to google for the collaborative opportunities that that one offers and that works very well and we're just about to start the third cycle of that now and again that's that's going to evolve again so again it's 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 being sensitive to i think what the students tell us that's that's really key but also uh, observing what's actually going on in the room and trying to make the most of of what's good and rectify what doesn't work so well so being sensitive to that I think has been really important and for the first year I think you were in all of those sessions weren't you yeah. which isn't a great use of your time but it was absolutely appreciated you come in now make sure that everything's working don't you and then yes. you're at the end of the phone if I need you yeah it's interesting and, to and go I do in. <laughs> it's interesting to go into a session for the first time when you've not run anything like that before because then I could see what wasn't working so is the wi-fi going to hold out is the chromebook's going to hold out is battery life good enough um, are the students got the right amount of space to work mm. around them and that kind of stuff but actually now that we've done it for two full years I think that we've learned what could go wrong and we know mm. when it does go wrong how to fix it very very quickly Yeah. Um, and the same with the problem based one as well I think the first year I was very heavily involved with making sure that everything was going right mm. in the room and since then it's been sort of taking a little step back yeah. and then another little step back yeah, just absolutely. to to uh, yeah, let not it, completely let it go. dissociating yourself, right? <laughs> God forbid. But uh, no, no, absolutely. You know, and I think a, a part of that as well is you know my own confidence in it because as, um, I'm not hugely technically minded, but I am willing to try stuff. And I think that's that's probably the biggest thing that I can bring to the table that I'll give it a go and 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 see what works. Uh, but I wouldn't be able to do that as I said before without that kind of technical expertise that Emma provides. Um, so I guess in that sense, it works very very well together. But yeah, it is much more now about you know Emma taking a, a step back from you know the routine running of those sessions, and and then now taking more of a deve developmental and consultative role, I guess really, yes, and saying, yeah. well, these are the possible solutions. Which one would you like? Because yeah. all of these meet your needs. Yes, and that's really useful. Yeah, and having discussed about possibly putting a midpoint type exercise in for second year students so yeah. not quite as individual as the first years not quite as heavily reliant on the group as the third years and maybe something in the middle yeah. there so that might be an area where the project goes Absolutely. in the future and it'll be a nice challenge to find something that works for that 
Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Watch this space. So please do check out telltales.port.ac.uk and follow us on Twitter at TellPortsmouth. You can subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. The music for this episode is called Nowhere Land by Kevin McLeod and all copyright information can be found within our show notes. Mm-hmm.